You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you would grab a seat. Hey, let's give a hand to our worship team too really quick, just for being awesome. I want to dive straight in this morning and just kind of pray for us and see where we go a little bit. Um, I have, a, I think, a lot to say, but also feel just this beautiful space in the room um, that I think is the Lord. So we're going to kind of take our time and if you'll give me the liberty of being myself, um, we'll just see what happens. Amen. Uh, everybody go with that? Awesome. You don't have a choice because I've got the microphone. Uh, Father, we just acknowledge you in this room. God, not just the room of a physical building that's been built, but the room of this tabernacle that we are. The deepest place that you inhabit, which is us, God. And God, I just pray this morning that as we take time and just make space for you, God, that you would tug and do things that you alone can do. Down to the deepest layer of our being, God, I pray that you call and you quicken something that maybe we don't even have words for, God, but that we know is you. And let's just hold here for a moment, maybe with your eyes closed. Let's just hold in this space where we know God's presence is with us, it's in us, it's around us. Because, Father, we're convinced that our awareness of your presence changes things. It calls us into spaces that we're destined to be in. so we just sit with you for a moment, God. Sermons are overrated. I don't know if you know this or not, but they're overrated. Especially when you just learn to sit with the presence of God. Um, yeah. Robin made a comment to me this morning. I hope you don't mind me sharing, but he said, I'm a little rattled today. And Robin's always rattled, so that's okay. But I felt like it was actually the Lord just creating space for us this morning. Um, so I want to kind of leave that on the table as we talk. I do think uh, the Lord has some stuff on his heart, but I don't want to miss what's in the moment as well. Amen.
Okay, Acts chapter number 12. I want to read a story about Peter being thrown into prison. Um, And this is kind of an interesting story to go where I want to go and maybe a little too much eisegesis for scripture this morning. But um, I feel like this is the Lord highlighting a passage and a story. But a little context here, there's persecution happening. Early church, um, Herod's just beheaded John's brother. It made the Jews happy. He was gaining some popularity for that. And so he's kind of riding that momentum. He says, hey, why don't we just arrest Peter too, throw him. We'll take him to trial and probably have the same outcome. And that's how Peter has gotten himself into prison. Now, I want to point out, now, Peter didn't, like, invite himself into prison. He didn't really do anything to go to prison. This is just people being mean. Okay? Amen? You don't amen that. Mean people shouldn't be amen. But it says, so Peter was kept in prison, Acts twelve five. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentry stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. And he said, quick, get up. Everybody say, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes. Everybody say, get dressed. Put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent me an angel to rescue me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. So this is a supernatural, crazy God story. Um, the scripture is obviously full of these, and it wasn't anything that was foreign to the life of Peter or especially the early apostles. But when I think about who we are, When I think about where we are, there is a standing invitation and call for the people of God to go from one place to another. Okay, Um, And I'm going to dance around this a little bit with terminology this morning and hopefully not trip us up. And hopefully this doesn't seem contradicting at all at times, but just stay with me and hopefully this will make sense. There's a lot of hopefully in this message. But I do believe that God has done something and he invites us to something as well. Peter was in prison. He was in chains. He was trapped. He was in this position. It wasn't by his own doing. He just found himself there. And God sovereignly, through this clear message, through a clear messenger and a clear word, goes in and says, hey, Peter, get up, get dressed, and let's go. And Peter now finds himself no longer in chains, but outside the city gate. Where he was in bondage, now he's in freedom, right? Can I tell you that what happened with the gospel, when Jesus comes, when Jesus comes and liberates humanity, there's this standing invitation. I don't don't even know how to word even what I feel um, this morning, but God has delivered us from one place to another. And I hope you can catch the words the way I'm hearing it. But then he invites the rest of us to come to. Let me say it singular. God has delivered me, everybody say me, from one place to another. And now he invites the rest of me to come also. 
It is a fascinating truth that we can be delivered and still be catching up to what we've been delivered to. It's a, I about said stinking in church, but I didn't. It's a stinking mystery that God would literally take us from point A to point B. And then the standing invitation lingers for the New Testament church, those of us who are believers, that is simply saying, hey, I want the rest of you to come up to where you truly are. It's really bizarre, and I I don't know if I've talked about this before, but it's an interesting thing in the Greek language that there's this imperative indicative in this way that the text is written that's unique, I think, just to the Greek language where it's almost a past tense command. And he's saying something is true about you, and since that's true, go ahead and be the thing that is already true about you. He's not saying do something to get to that place. He's already announcing you in that place, even though it looks like you might still be sitting in a cell. Might still be in a different location. But this is what the gospel is like. It says Acts in uh, Acts 2, it said, Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared, light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and wake up. Uh, he said, quick, get up. One more time for fun, say get up. And the chains fell off. See, there's three things that uh, Peter does here. He gets up, he gets dressed, and he goes. Right? Now here's the beauty of the gospel. It is such a posturing issue where Jesus has positioned us, but now my posture has to catch up. Anybody in the room have bad posture ever? Where are my tall people at? You definitely do if you're tall like me. One of the things I've done for years is go to the chiropractor. Um, I don't know why because I don't know if it helps, but it feels great in the moment. Um, but I've always had bad posture, and Kara always jokes me, my wife. Uh, in fact, she was doing it this week because she uh, goes to, like, you know, give me a hug, and it's like her face just goes right here, you know. And so what I tend to do is I kind of do one of these, and I'm like, come here, sweetheart. Let's just get on the same level. Because it's actually true, being six foot four or whatever uh, number it is, that I always have this slight bend. In fact, the house we just finished that's on the market, if you want to buy a nice little bungalow, I've got you a deal. Uh, I intentionally plumbed all the shower heads to be like this tall. (laughs) And then we moved to Charlotte. Back under the bondage of short people shower heads. And so now I find myself in our rental doing this. All the time. And my back hurts because my posture is a little jacked up because I just tend to lean over. Now, one of the things uh, that happens um, when it comes to repositioning ourselves and getting up from where we've been and more importantly how we've been is we have to do two things. One is we have to stop believing, according to the gospel, and I'll justify this, we have to stop believing that something is wrong with us and start believing that something is right with us. Amen. You cannot live out your new life in Jesus if your deepest belief system still believes something is just severely wrong with you. See, when I go to the chiropractor, um, aside from an injury or trauma or something, but my issue is not my back. It's the patterns that allow my back to get into that position. It's the rip repetition and the motions that I go through on a daily basis that gets my posture like this. And it puts me in this predicament where now I'm going to the chiropractor saying, 
chiropractor, my back hurts, it's stiff, my neck's always tense, uh, I don't know if you've ever pinched a nerve, but those are no fun, because the muscles start spazzing out, and they just grab stuff, and it's just not a good thing, but here's the issue, there's nothing actually wrong with my back, there's something wrong with my patterns, and if I think something is wrong with my back, and don't fix the patterns, then I'll just go to the said chiropractor, if you're a chiropractor, I'm not trying to hurt your business, but I'll just keep going to him over and over and over and over again, but if I never change my patterns, then the chiropractor gets a lot of paydays, and I still keep staying in the rhythm of feeling broken, because I think something's just wrong with my back, and never address the patterns that are hurting my posture. See, if you believe something is just wrong with you, you'll constantly attack yourself instead of adjust your patterns. You know what the gospel does? It positions you into a place that even if you have been the most vile person in history, there's no longer anything wrong with you. And the mystery of Jesus being in you is there's something so right about you. And when you learn to live life according to what's right about you and not react all the time to what's wrong with you, it starts to change your posture. But it's a mystery. To be repositioned and still be hunched over. Right? But to change our posture, we have to stop believing that something is wrong with us. And start believing that something is right with us. Um, Here's the other thing we have to do. We have to be able to separate our identity from our patterns. I am not the thing that I do. Which means at any point, I can control, change, or uh, completely challenge the way that I am when I learn to separate who I am from it. One of the biggest mistakes we make is we associate the depth of our identity with how we are. Right? Hmm, My back's starting to hurt as we speak. I'm just kidding. Here's what being out of alignment does what they call it at the back doctor it causes tension it causes pain for me anyway my experience it causes exhaustion get tense get tired always doing this you ever see me doing this you know so shower heads in charlotte and sometimes it gets us to the point we want to medicate because it's you know a lot of pain over time Can I tell you this? Our struggle has never been an angry God who's completely pitted himself against a people who just miss it. Our struggle has always been a creation who got out of alignment. And when we're out of alignment, it causes tension, it causes pain, and it causes us to try and medicate something because deep down inside we believe we are the problem and therefore we never actually address the problem. We associate our identity with our patterns. And so we think we're so broken we can't be fixed or we're so broken that God just tolerates us. But the issue has never been you. The Father has never had issue with you as a person, as a creation. It's always been his heart to deliver us from patterns that misalign us from heaven. See, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and just a quick mention, and Robin, I think, shared a few concepts last week as well. That when we talk about the vision and the purpose for our lives, it always starts with the original intent of the Father's vision and purpose for your life. Right? 
We know uh, that he created mankind to be in his image, in his likeness. And what happened at the fall was mankind now fell and they took on a different what? A different pattern. Now they were still in the image and the likeness of said creation, but now they had taken on a new rhythm, a new format. They started to do life and approach life a different way. They started to think and feel a different way. It was no longer in alignment with the intent of the Father or the rhythms of heaven. Now it was its own thing. And when you're out of alignment with the Father's creation, it causes tension, it causes pain, and it causes us to start to medicate, a.k.a. hiding in a bush because of shame. See, Adam stepped into this place where it was no longer just how he did life. He actually thought something is now wrong with me. That's what shame does. And the very one who could align him, he's now hiding from. Because his pattern changed. You know what's weird about patterns? I told our staff this example the other night. You ever been in the ocean all day, like playing the waves, jump up and down? And do it long enough to where when you go to bed at night, you're laying there and you can still feel it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if so I, I don't, that's enough. I don't have to give another example, I think. But you can kind of still feel it. You feel your body's still in that rhythm, right? And it's kind of nice. It's also kind of annoying when you're trying to go to sleep. Um, and surely enough, over time, it kind of goes away. Even though... You're no longer in the ocean. You can still feel its rhythm. It still has an effect on you. Can I just qualify all that I'm saying? Because here's what's true. This is why you don't need to believe something's wrong with you and something's right with you. Second Corinthians, everybody knows this. 16, 17. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He's speaking of a pattern issue, and I'll come back to that. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Now, here's the problem. He's speaking to the people who are laying down at night, and they can still feel the rhythm of Adam. They're no longer in the ocean, but they can still feel the rhythm of the ocean. And it's hard to reconcile, hey, how is this true that I'm a new creation, but I'm still hunched over? I'm still kind of bobbing up and down when I lay down and want to rest and get relief from the tension of my sad humanity. How is this still true? But just because you still feel the up and the down of the tide does not mean that you are still in the place that you were in. That's the beauty of the gospel. We've been reconciled. And now placed in Christ Jesus, even though we can still sometimes feel the rhythm of Adam. The mistake we make is we condemn and judge ourselves as if we were still in Adam. And so that's why it's important. We have to stop believing that something is wrong with me because if I am in Christ, I am a new creation. And that is announcing something is right with you. So what Paul is doing. He's calling them to this truth, even though their patterns don't match yet. Right? Even though their rhythms haven't been reformatted. Jesus came to help us re-rhythm and reformat and repattern. I don't know if that's a word, but it is today. I don't know if you notice, but Jesus comes and his pattern was different. He's in the same ocean. He comes in humanity, right? But all of a sudden, 
life looks different. They're seeing life lived a different way. They're seeing this relationship with the one they learned to be afraid of. Because Jesus came to repattern some things. In fact, I think it's interesting. Even in the Old Testament, and this was a shadow of things to come, which would have been Jesus, but when Moses wants to see the glory of God, what does God do? He takes him into the mountain. He says, I'm going to give you a pattern. I'm going to show you my hinder parts. I'm going to tell you some things. He gives them the law there. But one of the things that he does is he gives them this elaborate plan for the tabernacle, for the Israelites to follow. And basically, I'll sum it up this way and paraphrase. Moses, if you'll build in the earth what I show you in the heaven, if you'll build the pattern according to what I show you, I'll come and live with you guys. Isn't it interesting that the way God would live with them was based on the pattern that they would follow? Now, we know Old Covenant, that was a religious kind of version. That was a a broken system, but God was going to reconcile it through Jesus. How much greater should it be that God is already living with us because Christ is in us, but our patterns sometimes keep us from seeing it? And we can sit in a cell with unlocked chains and never leave. See, this is what it's like. What I said a minute ago, God delivers us from one place to another. And then he invites the rest of you to come. And what I mean by that is sometimes, even though my identity is no longer an Adam, my mind and my heart still are sometimes. And he's just saying, hey, would you just come on? What's the passage in Colossians? If any man be in Christ, or if you be risen with Christ, seek the things that are above. Let your mind and your heart catch up. Take a look around and see what this new thing is all about. He's saying it's already true about you. Now I'm inviting the rest of you to come and experience. The rest of you to come and see, right? This is what Jesus was modeling so well by being the pattern of God in the earth that we would follow. Hmm. You know what else is true before I move on? Uh, Just to keep harping on the shower system. Because I will be taking this to the city of Charlotte and complaining. Uh, Before we sold our house or put it on the market, we had the privilege to use those bathrooms a few times because we were still staying there some. And I caught myself, I consciously almost every single time caught myself halfway through a shower doing this. Now again, just... Just for visual sake, I put the shower head like here in every bathroom. Um, there was no need for me to bend over anymore. I was no longer in my old shower, which was built for like someone's meemaw who's only like this tall because that shower head was like right here, right? But I was no longer in that shower, but I was still acting subconsciously like I was in that shower. It had repatterned me. It had become my rhythm, right? And so now I'm standing in this new freedom in Christ Jesus in the shower. This new free space where I no longer have to bow to the things of the world. But there I am, hunched over. And I caught myself one day in the shower. My back was kind of hurting. I was like, oh my gosh, why am I bending over? And I I kid you not, I had to retrain myself to take a shower. I was like, Dan, for lack of better words, I had to give myself permission to stand up straight. You know why I wouldn't do that before? Because I'd hit my head on the shower head, right? 
But I was so used to the old that I had to intentionally retrain myself to the new. See, it's a posture issue. You know why I don't go to the chiropractor all the time? Because if I'm not also in the gym, if I'm not also stretching, I know I'm just spending money. Because if I'm not training the things that need to be trained to hold my pot, like a little ridiculous, but if I'm not doing the things I need to to get my shoulders back and my head back, get rid of the nerd neck, I'll get severe nerd neck sometimes. If I'm not doing what I need to to rehabilitate and strengthen those things, then I'll just keep forming to the old pattern. It's so important that even though we're new in Jesus and even though that's a massive victory statement for our lives, we have to intentionally train ourselves to live that type of newness. And this is where I think sometimes we get stuck in the church because we we teeter-totter that balance of self-help and self-performance and religious works and those things. But there still is a mandate for us to walk out the thing that we are. And it does take intentionality. uh, That's not getting me there, but it's owning where I'm already at. Right? I'm not doing it so that I can be accepted of the Father. I'm already accepted of the Father. And the more I believe that, the more I start to hold the conviction that nothing is wrong with me and something's actually right about me, the more I want to adjust to what's right about me, the more I have to train the old patterns to mimic what is true, what is new, and what is the right nature of me in Christ Jesus. That's not law, that's not religion, that's not effort, it's not sweat, it's not earning it by the sweat of my brow, it's not any of those things that sometimes we throw out. It's actually me just intentionally walking out the newness that he paid for. Can I tell you again that one of the biggest tragedies as it pertains to the gospel is that he would come, send a messenger, unlock the change, and we would still sit there. And the invitation is, hey, get up, get dressed. Let's go. Get up and get dressed. Don't stay where you are. Don't stay in the posture you're in. And the way we get out of that posture is we have to start believing that something is right about us. And we have to start separating us from our patterns. Amen? Amen. All right, say get dressed. It's the next thing Peter did. He said, put your clothes on. Thank God, right? It's one thing to stand up in a new position. It's another thing to dress our minds as if we belong there. Okay? Um, Speaking of shame again, one of the hurdles I think we face so often as believers, and even thinking of Peter, he's in prison because of persecution. Um, and I don't want to make light of persecution, but I will say this. The American church has really never seen persecution. I hope you're okay with that statement. We've seen opinions, but not like real persecution, not like this kind of persecution, okay? It's really quiet, so. <laughs> I've been persecuted. No, you haven't. You, you're living in southern America. We have big box churches on every corner, really loud about it. We brand them, all that kind of stuff. I mean, come on, that's not persecution. That's... As a business. Um, so we don't know, really know this kind of persecution. But what's crazy is we still live under the massive persecution of our own self. See, some of the prison cells I sit in were not created by anyone else. I don't even need a Herod to do it. It's my own self-talk that gets me there. Right? 
Because anytime I'm not in alignment with what the Father says is true about me, I believe something's wrong with me and I'm not adjusted to new. And I look at the old patterns, even though I'm out of the ocean, I still adjust and think, oh, I must still be in it because there's still these rhythms in my life. And when I don't get that kind of uh, self-awareness and clarity on the fact that I am not my thing, then I will keep going back to that place and be my own persecution and put myself in prison day after day. And that's what shame does. Shame makes you feel like you don't belong in the freedom that he paid for you to stand in right now. And it is kind of awkward. It is a little awkward to be free and know that, hey, I didn't really deserve this like free gift, but he paid for it. So I might as well like take advantage of it. It's a little awkward to stand there. Could you imagine, uh, not to get in this story, but the prodigal son returns home. And he's met not with like condemnation and anger. He's met with a ring and a robe and a celebration and they throw a party for him. And everybody's kind of mad that he's getting celebrated when he butchered everything. Imagine how awkward it was for him to sit at dinner that night. Knowing that the older brother is not celebrating. Probably a little upset that he's just like wrecked his life, wasted his inheritance. And here he is sitting as if nothing even happened. Awkward. That's awkward. It's awkward to sit in a place that you don't feel like you deserved. But there you are anyway. Isn't that the gospel? Right? I mean, here's how deep the gospel is. I don't know if you've seen this quote. I forget the quote, so I'll pretend I made it up. But um, as Paul goes through the gates of heaven, he's celebrated by those that he martyred. Awkward. But that's how rich the gospel is. Now when I think about that, I'm a justice guy, right? So it's hard for me to like give Paul an out. I'm like, dude, come on, you know. But I'm a grace guy too, so thank God. But it's hard for us to reconcile that level of freedom sometimes to be right in the middle of something we don't deserve. And still own it. Man, that can be an awkward thing. But that's what it means to dress in this new identity in Jesus. As I can't just believe it and hope for it for some day, I have to actually learn the art of putting it on. Ephesians 4, you probably know this passage as well, 422-24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. What's he talking about? Your patterns. The way that life used to be done according to the old humanity, the old ocean. But now that you're out of the ocean, let me speak to those who are out of the ocean. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, its patterns. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, he is not giving a new law uh, to those who previously butchered the old one. He is giving an invitation for the rest of them to catch up to what's already true about them. He's speaking to those who were in Christ Jesus, saying, since we're out of the ocean, since we're in the new, let's practice putting it on. Dress up. Put your clothes on. Put this new thing. Let your pattern start to match the new life that you have in Jesus. Um, I had to go to the doctor in the past week and do a bunch of blood work, and I hate that. 
But I told the doctor, you know, I was just like kind of tired and all those things. Um, I don't know why. It's not like I haven't been building a house for the last year. And part of it's the persecution of those showers. It's really just got me traumatized. But I go to the doctor. I'm like, here's my symptoms. And what's the first question you think he asked me? What are you eating? Are you exercising? And how's your sleep? Let me say it this way. What are your patterns? Because he's saying you can look at symptoms all you want, but let's start with your patterns because your patterns to determine where you're going. And if you are in Christ, a new creation, but never address your patterns, then at best you're free, but you're still sitting in a prison. You're free and unshackled, but you're still sitting there. You've been set free, delivered. I mean, even Peter would write, we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and invited into the light of his dear son, this marvelous place. But you can still have that be true and still sit and never leave. And the way that we leave is we have to own the truth, but we also have to dress in the truth. We have to repattern our lives according to his So when we talk about vision and purpose for our life and where we're going, it always starts with his vision, his purpose, and his intent for his creation, which is you and me, the sons and daughters of God. Because that is the only place we are really, truly aligned to the design of the Father. And it's in that alignment that tension is relieved. Now, I want to say something um, to be fair and so that we don't take this into... La La Land. Um, Oh, how do I say this? Just because we're putting on new thoughts, just because I'm dressing in a new way of thinking to match my identity, doesn't mean that I won't still have bad thoughts. Right? Just because I'm new in Christ and I'm repattering to this patterning to this thing doesn't mean that some of the old patterns and the rhythms still won't be felt still won't be seen still won't show up from time to time but the conviction we have to have that keeps our posture upright is even if they do nothing will rob me or move me from the truth that i still am new even if there's still a little bit of the old echoing if there's a little bit of the old swirling around in there Just because I'm having a bad thought here and there doesn't mean uh, that I'm not dressing in new thoughts. Because remember, I'm not my thoughts. And if my identity is not my patterns, then not every bad thought came from you. Amen? That's why the Bible says, take every thought captive, make it obedient to who? To Christ. The one that you're in and the one that's in you. In other words, check the pattern. See if it aligns. Because if this is who you are and where he's called you to be, if this doesn't fit, then it simply is not you. Paul would get this revelation and say, hey, the thing I want to do, I can't do. The thing I uh, don't want to do, I can't seem to stop doing. But then he sums it all up in this beautiful way. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's saying, hey, if I'm looking on the level of my flesh, I'm still like one day kind of in the ocean, one day not. I feel the rhythm of this new and this excitement. And some days maybe I get it and maybe the next moment I feel like I'm just bobbing in the tide of Adam all over again. And that's just my journey. But here's what's true. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. 
So even if there's ups and downs and bad thoughts and there's rhythms that don't match the new does not mean that something is wrong with you. Here is the beauty of the gospel and you need to tattoo this on your heart. There is nothing wrong with you. There is something right with you. And I don't know how you hear that this morning because it's really quiet. Just because there's nothing wrong with you doesn't mean you won't do some wrong things. But you've got to hold that anchor of belief that you are not your wrong things. Because the more you come back to that confession that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the more passion, the more conviction for those new patterns there's going to be. It's harder to sit there in unshackled chains when I'm really, truly convinced of where he's positioned me and invited me into. Amen? Now, here's why it's important. I'm going to wrap up. Romans 8. While you're turning there in your digital Bibles, let me interject one thought. Peter is having this encounter. And he's gotten up. He's gotten dressed. He's walked out past the guards. The gate is supernaturally opened. He finds himself on the other side. No longer in chains, but now... Standing in freedom. And the entire time he thought it was a dream. He thought maybe he was having a vision. And the angel leaves and all of a sudden, boom, Peter realizes, oh, this is real. And he finds himself in a place that just seconds before didn't seem real. We have to live by faith over feel. Because the gospel's so good and so too good to be true that it simply does not feel like what it actually is. That's why it's by faith we put on the armor of God. By faith we walk in newness of life. By faith we do all these things. By faith, that's how we obtain salvation. That that is not talking about just heaven someday. That's talking about what you dress in right now. But if we are adjusting to what we feel then we're going to be trapped. And I think it's so interesting that Peter goes through this whole thing before he even realizes this actually just happened. What does that mean? It means even if it doesn't feel like it's true, keep going, keep owning it, keep repatterning. Because it's not about what you feel, it's about faith. And I would rather wake up on the other side of an open gate then realize that I've been sitting in a cell unlocked the entire time. Amen. Here's why it's important that we go from point A to point B, not just in our belief and conviction, but even in our patterns. Okay, I'll read this passage. Here's why it's important. Uh, Romans eight nineteen, I think is the Passion Translation. I love the way this is written in this passage. It says, because the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, 
yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself had, uh, has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal, universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies. Now, I want to say this um, just for any purist who might be here. I, without a doubt, this text is contextually talking about a someday fulfillment of all things, but here's what I would challenge you on. Don't you dare reduce it to that. Because here's what I fully believe Paul is trying to articulate, that as we are unveiled, creation comes along. And he's saying it here, he's saying because one man who was supposed to be a gardener, remember Adam, and he falls asleep in that state and kind of gets off kilter, takes on a new pattern. And because the gardener fell asleep, now the patterns of the world are out of whack. Which is why you see Jesus show up later, his patterns are right, and now all of a sudden the world's listening to Jesus. The waves are being calm, trees are uh, determining whether or not they'll grow fruit based on his command. Like all of a sudden, the pattern of the world. Now, this does not mean you're a Christian wizard and you can go out and just do whatever you want with the plant. That's not what I'm saying. Because everything is according to his will and Jesus knew the will of the Father. He was in alignment, right? And when there's alignment, everything starts to come back. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. 